10 out of 10 people are going to die. 100% certain that all of us are going to die someday. Death is a factor in our lives. This is no matter what culture, no matter what era that you were born into, no matter if you're married or single, no matter what you believe in, death is something all of us deal with. And there's no guarantees in life. You could be young or old. We don't know when we're going to be when, going, when our time is up. God has appointed a time for all of us, every single one of us. And our culture, I notice, shies away from death. I mean, um, even our mortuary system is able to make death more discreet. When people pass away or they die, the mortuary is able to take care of the body. They even get the body cleaned up, get the body dressed for service, and and they take care of everything. Sometimes the body isn't even there at the funeral or memorial service. Even our language lends to us that uh, we are shy about death. Um, we use words such as passed on or passed away. They've departed. They've expired. Right? We don't want to use a D word. And I think we're all a little bit uncomfortable with it. And um, However, as Christians, we look forward to an actual resurrection. We believe that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the grave. We believe that we will be resurrected too someday. So death is not the end, but the beginning. Death is not goodbye, but see you again, friend. So as Paul established in this chapter, this glorious chapter, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, he talked about and established firmly that the resurrection of Christ is absolutely essential to have hope in the gospel. He even talked about and preached about, about a necessary order where Christ is the first fruits. And after that, every single Christian comes. And even after that, unbelievers will be resurrected for judgment. And then fourthly, all of creation will be resurrected, where everything's burned up in a brand new heavens, a brand new earth will be a resurrection of the new creation. It's going to happen now. It's going to happen. And today, I want to answer some questions, and I want us to know what kind of bodies will we have at the resurrection? I mean, as you sit there right now, do you think to yourself, we're going to be floating spirits in heaven. Perhaps you have a picture of maybe sitting on a cloud like a baby with wings with a, playing a harp, you know. Maybe that's what your vision of being a resurrection is going to be like. That's definitely something that's been put out there in our culture. Maybe you ask yourself, you know, if someone were to ask you, will we eat in heaven? What would you say? You know, will we be able to recognize one another? And I hope to answer many of these questions today. And we're going to turn to the scriptures. We're going to be at our 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 49 today. So please rise. We're just marching right down the scriptures. And it's amazing. We're already at chapter 15, verse 35 of 1 Corinthians. This is a great chapter on resurrection. Right? Resurrection of Christ, but also resurrection of the saint. Today we're going to find out what type of body we're going to have. So verse 35, let's turn to God's word. But someone will say, 
how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool! That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon. Another glory of the stars, for stars differs from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written... The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, or man of dust, as the ESV says, so also are those who are earthy. And is the and is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Verse 49. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Father, thank you for this word. Help us to understand your word more. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Paul is writing to the first Corinthian, uh, the first century Corinthians. He's preaching and talking to Christians who were part of the Greco-Roman world, and that group of people understood death more than we do. Like I said earlier, the mortuary system has made death a little bit more discreet. In that day, if your family member died, you probably prepare the body. You take the body, you clean the body, you dress the body, perhaps wrap up the body for burial. And then after that, we would have a procession through the town from your home to the graveyard or to the tomb. So throughout the village, everyone will see the body being carried to its burial site. In Greek culture, they would either bury the body or even cremate the body like we would. In Jewish culture, they would have a week-long memorial week And they would basically prepare the body and put the body in a tomb for the first burial. And roughly about a year later or so, when the body is decomposed, they would go back into the tomb, collect the bones, and have a second burial. So they were very much hands-on with death. They understood it much more than we did. In verse 35, Paul anticipates some pushback on the resurrection of Christians. So turn your eyes to verse 35 here, 1 Corinthians 15. But some will say, he already knows his people really well. He knows there might be some questions being raised. 
How are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? So today, Paul gives us our outline. We're going to just try to answer those two questions. Number one, how are the dead raised? And number two, what will our resurrected bodies be like? What is it going to be like? All right, so let's try to answer these two questions. Hopefully we're very clear by the time this service is over. So let's go to the first question. How are the dead raised? If you're taking notes, write that down. How are the dead raised? How are the dead raised? It's interesting. Paul, his comments right out of the shoots at verse 36 is, You fool! And this is a personal pronoun. This is a sharp, sharp rebuke to the Corinthians. Other translations say, you foolish ones, but the better translation, I believe, is you fool. He's directing it to the Corinthians. Because the tone of which he's anticipating these questions, perhaps he's heard things from the grapevine, and the tone is more of a tone of mockery other than genuine interest. Like, how can this be? How can this be? That's crazy, Paul. How can this be? So verse 36, he, he gets their attention. Listen up. You know what you're talking about. So he captures their attention right here because this is critical that every single Christian understands this. Otherwise, what do we know we hope in, right? Otherwise, what are we singing these songs for? What, what are we looking forward to? The more we understand what God is providing for us, the more hope, the more our faith grows the more we could face trials with great hopefulness. God has got a detail here. So let's see how he answers this question here. How are the dead raised? Verse 36, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. He's talking to the Corinthians in a very normal, everyday example of planting. He said, you shouldn't understand this. There's a certain mystery how plants grow. However, you know how this works. When you plant a seed, it changes, it de- the, the, the outer shell decomposes, and all of a sudden, something comes up. Whether it's some kind of crop, whether it's a tree, something comes out of it. Otherwise, if you just hold on to that seed, Corinthians, you're not going to have a harvest. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Jesus answered this as well in John 12, 24. John 12, 24. He even, our Lord emphasizes, he starts this with truly, truly, like, listen up. Everything that our Lord said is absolutely true and powerful. But whenever our Lord says truly, truly, it means, like, oh, this is, I have to know this. Truly, truly, this is straight from our Lord's lips. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... It remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This is the pattern that nature is teaching us. This is the pattern that our Lord affirms that this is how it works, how resurrection works. Paul is clear about this, how resurrection works. Unless seeds die or are buried, there is no harvest. And when, when the farmer plants... And I kind of like these analogies growing up as a gardener's son, so these things make sense to me. 
When a farmer plants, he buries a seed, he goes away, he waters the seed, and at harvest time, there's a harvest. And even in uh, Mark 4, 26 to 28, there's a parable of the seed. Our Lord compares it to the kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes out and plants seeds. He goes to sleep, and all of a sudden he wakes up, and then there's a harvest. And, the, and our Lord says, but he doesn't know how it happened. There is a certain mystery behind it, isn't there? Amen? Our Lord will make it clear as possible, but there is a mystery until that day. And our Lord gives us a lot of clues here. But some things are very clear, and some things are not known to the common man. Even the farmer, he understands that this is what happens, cause and effect, but he doesn't quite know how the seed turns into a harvest. He just believes it does. Isn't that the life of a Christian? You believe. I believe. Same thing with a farmer. The farmer exhibits a certain level of faith as well. And last week, it's interesting, as we talk about this, the Greeks were quick to want to rid themselves of their bodies. Remember? Because this is like a prison to me. I don't want to be bound by this body. However, our culture is completely different from that. Our culture does everything we can to keep our bodies. Amen? Isn't that true? I mean, whether it's the new diet, whether it's having this workout uh, regiment, whether it's having procedure after procedure done to our bodies, whether it's pursuing certain vitamins or medicines. I even remember growing up, this thing called cryogenics. You guys remember that? Cryogenics, for, for you guys who don't know, is that some people who had some kind of illness or they're getting older, what they would choose to do is freeze themselves at an, and hoping that at a later date you could thaw them out and bring them back to life. Right? They just basically buried themselves in ice. So basically, that's what happened. Now, don't get me wrong. Stewarding our bodies is critical, right? This is worship to the Lord. We need to take care of our body. That's not what I'm saying. We need to eat well. We need to uh, exercise. We need to go to the doctor's office, all that. That's, that's all there. However, our bodies aren't meant to last forever. We need to understand this. Our bodies are like seeds, and the sowing process is already beginning. The, the moment we've been birthed into this world, that clock has already started. That sand in the hourglass has already been turned as soon as we've been born. The sowing process is to begin. I mean, we know what we're talking about. We're all on our decline. And death, our Lord says, and, and it's necessary to separate the spirit from the body. This is a necessary event that needs to take place. Charles Spurgeon wrote, We Christians do not believe that Jesus Christ was the only one that ever rose from the dead. We believe that every deathbed is a resurrection. Talking about for Christians. That from every grave the stone is rolled away. This is how it works. We need to die in order to experience resurrection. Verse 38 says, But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. So God determines the type of body that... uh, a seed has. And if we're seeds, verse 39, all flesh is not all the same, it says. But there is one flesh of men 
and another flesh of beasts and another flesh of birds and other fish, different types of flesh. We understand this. We just got to look around. Humans have a certain flesh. We don't feel like alligators, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't feel like, we don't have scales on our bodies. We don't feel like snakes. We, we have skin, we have flesh. But all these other beasts have different type of flesh. Verse 40, there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Just talking about more earth and universe. But the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earth, earthly is another. Different types of glory. Verse 41, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For stars differs from glory, from star in glory. Even the, the heavenly beings are different. The sun has a certain brightness. The moon has a certain brightness at, at night. Even the stars, they, they're even different. Every star from one another is completely different, like fingerprints. Why? Why did God make things so different? Well, let's look at verse 39 again. There's one flesh of men. Where do men live? On earth, on the ground. And another flesh of beasts, they live on the ground. Another flesh of birds, they live where? In the air, that's right. Another of fish, they live in the water. Different environments require different type of flesh. And then right here, it says, there are, verse 40, there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Bodies fit for earth and bodies fit for space. But the glory of the heavenly is one. Different types of glory or splendor, different attributes. And the glory of the earthly is another. Different functions. Like the sun has a different function coming up here. The moon has a different function. The stars have different functions. God made everything different to fit a certain context and to serve a certain function. We have to understand this. So right now, our bodies, how we're built, are fit to serve earth. And in this realm, we, we understand this. But we're not people of the earth. We know this. This is just our temporary life. So this is important for us to understand this, to live life to its fullest, that death is a part of life. But for Christians, something good is about to happen. Amen? We don't have to be scared. We don't need to be reckless. Well, we, need to, we don't need to hold back either. We don't need to live with regrets. This is exactly how God has designed us to live. So let's, let's answer the second question. What will our resurrected bodies be like? Write that down. That's the second point. What will our resurrected bodies be like? What will our resurrected bodies be like? Leon Morris, who's a theologian, writes, his thoughts, Paul's thoughts, is in marked contrast to that of Judaism. So this is what some of the Jews believe. There we find that the body to be raised will be identical with the body that died. Did you hear that? Some rabbis were teaching that the body that's going to be resurrected is the same as the body that was buried. Yikes. The, the writer of the Apocalypse of Baruch asks whether there will be any changes when men rise. This is the answer from the rabbis. And the answer is that 
The earth shall then assuredly restore the dead. The dead will be raised. It shall make no change in their form. But as it has received, as the earth has received it, so shall it restore them. Meaning, how you were born, whatever the condition of your body, or how you're buried, the condition of your body is what's going to be resurrected. I mean, that sounds like a zombie to me, right? What, who wants that? And if that's the case, I can see why the Corinthians were, might have been jeering and sneering at the resurrection of the body. But that's not it. That's not it. That's, that's what a rabbi thought. But we're going to look to the scriptures here. Verse 42. 42, 43, 44. Let me just take us down this here. This is where we get a clear description of what it's going to be like. Not like this, what was described by Leon Morris. Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised in an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So as Pastor Kenny exhorted us and encouraged us, particularly those who perhaps are hurting right now, perhaps who are operating 50, 60% of what we used to be, perhaps those who are having a hard time remembering things, this is what we have to look forward to, including all of us. First point is that it is sown perishable, but is raised imperishable. <clears throat> then perishable is talking about a body that is susceptible to disease, sickness, aging, dying, failing memory, needing glasses, needing hearing aids. This is the type of body that we have right now. It's going to be sown a perishable body, but it's going to be resurrected as an imperishable. That means eternal, immortal. Never to age. We're not going to be aging in heaven. Think about it now. Remember I talked about the birds and the fish and the land animals and humans. How certain flesh needs to be adapted, adaptable to the environment. We're going to be living in eternity. We're going to have an eternal home. Therefore, we need an eternal body. God is providing that for us. Perishable, then imperishable. Number two, it's sown in dishonor and raised up in glory. Why are our bodies buried in dishonor? Because we're stained with the filth of sin. What we've done, what we thought, what we've said, those people that we've hurt. Although we've been forgiven, we were part of that at one time. We're haunted by the guilt of what we thought and done and said to others. But then we'll be resurrected in glory. That means we'll be in a sinless existence. Can you imagine that? Perfectly sanctified. Never having a crazy thought. Never being tempted again. Thinking right constantly. Loving the Lord and loving your fellow brothers and sisters purely all the time. Same thing. We're going to have a new home. We're going to be face to face with the Holy One. Can you imagine that? I mean, think about that. What is it going to be like seeing God face to face? What is that going to be like? Well, being in the presence of God requires a glorified body. God is holy and he is, surrounds himself with holiness. We need to put on our royal robes before we enter his throne room. We need a new body. The one that we have will not do. 
Number three, we're sown in weakness and resurrected in power. Power. I mean, as amazing as the human body is, I think the human body is amazing. I've been around some phenomenal athletes who could do some incredible things. I've been around some really bright people who could remember a lot and to learn a lot. But we're very limited. We're so limited. We're absolutely limited. But we're going to have powerful heavenly bodies. And not only are we going to have a new home, we're going to have a new function. We're no longer going to have earthly duties anymore. We are going to be serving Christ in heaven. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to be serving him. And our old bodies, it's like taking our bikes onto the 10 freeway. It's not going to do, right? We need new bodies. Martin Luther, the Martin Luther, the, the great reformer writes, as weak as it, as it, talking about the human body of believers, is now without all power and ability, when it lies in the grave, just so strong will it eventually become when the time arrives. Power. So that not a thing will be impossible for it. You hear what he's saying? So that not one thing will be impossible for our bodies. For if it has a mind for it, meaning if we have a thought to do something, it will be so light. Talking about our bodies will be so light and agile that in an instant, it, meaning our bodies, can float here below on the earth or above in heaven. He thinks that we're going to be able to fly. Isn't that amazing? Let's go to the fourth thing here. Paul writes, our bodies will be sown a natural body and then resurrected with, as a spiritual body. Right now we're bound by natural law, gravity, laws of physics, biology, all that, we're bound by that. Just, right? We cannot fly right now, correct? We cannot fly apart from an airplane, as Martin Luther talked about. I mean, this is, this is a whole new world. We can't even imagine what this is like, a sinless existence and living like this. Is this clearer what we're going to be like? We're not going to be a baby with wings playing a harp. We're not going to be an old man or woman in heaven. We're not going to be some floating spirit. We're going to learn more about that in a second. George Ladd, a theologian, writes, who can imagine a body without weakness? Can you imagine that? Or infection or tiredness or sickness or death. This is a body utterly unknown to earthly historical experience. None of us could speak to this. None of us. It is an order of existence in which the laws of nature no longer obtain, meaning we're not bound by the laws, the physical laws of nature. In fact, when one puts his mind to it, think about it, he's saying, it is quite unimaginable. We can't even, we can't even begin to understand this type of existence. And I hope this encourages us it feels like I've been to a funeral every other week uh, this summertime, and went one last week. We had a funeral here uh, yesterday. Uh, I'll be part of a funeral service, God willing, next Saturday. Hope this is an encouragement to those who've lost family members. Your loved one is no longer struggling with memory. Your loved one is no longer struggling with physical pain. 
emotional pain. They will receive a resurrected, glorified body someday if they're in Christ. This is a huge encouragement. And if you're sitting there as Pastor Kenny was pastoring us, if you feel these limitations, if you feel these things now, this is what we're looking forward to someday. God is good. God is good. So I'm just going to finish up here. Verse 45, Paul gets even more clearer of what he's talking about. So, verse 45, so as it also it is written, Genesis 2, 7, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. This is where the Lord formed man out of dust and breathed life into Adam. We're formed out of dust. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Let's talk about Jesus Christ. The first Adam is going to be turned into dust. We know this. Our bodies are going to decompose after we, at the moment we die, the decomposing process uh, happens. Our bodies are going to start to fall apart. The last Adam will give us life. John 4.10 says this, Jesus is the living water who springs up. If you drink from him, you'll spring up eternal life within us. John 6.51 says this, Jesus is the bread of life. If you eat of him, you'll live forever. John 11.25 says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, although he dies, he will be resurrected. He'll never die. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The life. The life. So our Lord is our source of life. He is the one that we want to look to. He is the one that we want to trust in. Verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first. I mean, he... We need to, we're still living in our natural bodies, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy, man of dust. I like that translation, man of dust, dust. The second man is from heaven. Jesus Christ is from heaven. Verse 48, as is the earthy, the man of dust, so also are those who are like the man of dust. We're made of dust. And is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. This is what we're talking about here. Verse 49. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, the man of dust, we, talking about Christians, if you're in Christ, will also bear the image of the heavenly. This is important that we understand this. Meaning this. 1 John 3, 2 says this. When we see him, we will become like him. When we see Christ we will become like him. What does like him mean? Let's turn to Luke 24 here. Brother Dave, thank you for reading Luke 24. This gives us a description of our resurrected Lord. We could expect to be, have qualities just like Christ. We're not going to be Christ, but we're going to be like him. We're going to be like Christ. Luke 24, let's just, I'm going to bounce around your verse 30 and 31. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were open. They recognized him. Are we going to recognize each other? Yes. We're going to be able to recognize each other. And then what happened? And he vanished from their sight. Poof. That's a different type of body. <laughs> That's a different type of body. Let's jump down to verse 36. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. Oof. Our Lord somehow disappeared. 
Is he? And then look what they say. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit or a ghost. A ghost might, ghost might be a good translation for that in context. Verse 39, but look what our Lord says. See my hands and my feet. I think he's talking about, do you see the scars on my hands and my feet? That it is I myself. Look, it's me. And he goes on to say, touch me. Will, will we be having physical bodies? Yes. We're not going to just be some kind of a hologram or some kind of spirit. You could touch the Lord. You could be, we'll be able to touch one another. Touch me, he says. See, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones. There's some kind of, I mean, some kind of structure that we have, flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Verse 41. While there were, while they could still, while they still could not believe it because of their joy, they're just amazed, wouldn't you be? And amazement, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? I'm not sure if he's hungry or he just wants to eat. And what do they give him? Verse 42, they gave him a piece of a broiled fish. Verse 43, and he took it and ate it before them. Oh, we're going to be eating in heaven? Yes, we're going to be eating. There's going to be a big banquet. We're going to be eating. So can you see that our Lord had a physical, spiritual body where it defies the laws of physics, not bound by natural science or natural laws? Let's go to John 20 here. We'll finish up here. John 20. I just want us to be very clear. And looking to Christ, we get the clearest picture. John 20. This is where Jesus meets the disciples in the upper room. They're terrified still. The disciples are, are worried that they're going to be hunted down as well. So they're upstairs in the upper room with the doors locked and bolted. Verse 26, uh, John 20, 26. By the way, I love it hearing those pages turn here. John 20, 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them this time. Jesus came. And look what John takes the time to write. The doors having been shut or locked. Somehow the Lord either just appears all of a sudden or is able to go right through the door or the wall. He just shows up again. And stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Same words. Peace, peace. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your fingers and see my hands. You could touch my hands. You could see the scars. And reach here with your hand and put it in my side where he was pierced for us. And do not be unbelieving, but but, but believing. What is Thomas's famous response? What do you say? Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And look what Jesus' response is. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, comma, have you believed? But look what he says to us now. Blessed are they, that's you and me, who are in Christ, who did not see and yet believed. It's amazing. This is absolutely amazing. Have you believed? If you believe, this is exactly what you have to look forward to. If you have not believed yet, this promise is not for you. Friends, this promise is not for you. 
a different type of resurrection look forward, you have to look forward to. I was meeting with a friend yesterday, and he asked me this question. I thought it was a very good question. He asked me this. If you were to die tonight, pretty direct question, right? If you were to die tonight and stand before God at the gates of heaven, and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Think now. Think, 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 think. What would you say? Remember John uh, Matthew 7? Lord, Lord, didn't I do this for you? Didn't I prophesy for you? Lord, Lord, didn't I go on mission trips for you? Lord, Lord, didn't I uh, go to church all the time? Lord, Lord, didn't I give to the church? Lord, Lord, didn't I pray for people? Lord, Lord, didn't I raise a good family? Lord, Lord, didn't I pay all my taxes? Lord, Lord, didn't I keep all the rules? Lord, Lord, wasn't I a pretty decent person? Lord, Lord, wasn't I better than my neighbor? That's definitely not going to get it done. Our Lord is just away from me into the outer darkness. Only thing that we have to respond with is, is the grace of God. Are you able to say, who Jesus Christ is. Lord, you are my God. Lord Jesus, you are my creator. Lord Jesus, I know you took on human flesh. Lord Jesus, I know you lived the perfect life and willingly went to the cross. Lord Jesus, I know that you took on the wrath of God for me. Will you be able to say that to God's face? With full conviction. Will you be able to say, I know you did, rose from the grave three days later. Will you be able to say that? Are you sitting here right now saying, Amen, 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 Amen? This is what I would say to our Lord. And Lord, I know I've repented of my sins and came under your terms and followed you as my Lord and Savior. Is this clear? Only by God's grace. None of us deserves forgiveness. None of us deserves to go into heaven. None of us deserve these new bodies. Have you received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? So in that day, what would you say? What would you say? Come to Jesus today. Today is the day of the Lord. Tomorrow is guaranteed to no one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to preach your word. Lord, I thank you that we have eternal hope in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the promise of resurrection. Thank you, Lord for even giving us details ahead of time so that we know what to look forward to, how this could encourage us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray, Lord, that we will respond with this truth. We will steward this truth, and we will live with strength and courage. We will not be people who are scared. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. Lo, I am with you to the end of age, you say to us. You say, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. 
You are with us. Help us to be men and women who believe this and who are strong and courageous because of this fact. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will have eternity in mind as we live our lives. Our investments are into the future, Lord. I pray we will live this way. Father, I pray for those right now who do not know you, who do not have an answer to give in that day at the gates of heaven, that they would acknowledge you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. They will repent. They will turn away from their sins and choose to follow you, give their lives to follow you as their Lord and Savior. So in that day, they can stand before you with confidence, not in ourselves, but in what you have done, who you are, Jesus, your work, and your terms. Thank you, Lord. What a privilege it is to preach your word. I pray we would love you more. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.